Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from different locations at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, a lot has gone on since our last show. So, without further ado, let's dive into it. First and foremost, the family night practice, the big event, Saturday night at Lambeau Field. If you were to ask me to pick a a 1 and a 1A in terms of players who stood out on the practice field at Lambeau on Saturday night, my 1 is rookie kicker Anders Carlson, and my 1A is converted inside linebacker Tariq Carpenter. I thought both of those guys made certain statements of their own during that practice. That's a great observation, Mike. It was funny. I... We talked about this before, and I haven't covered the family night scrimmage um, or practice now, excuse me, in a while uh, because I was with Leroy Butler last year at the Canton for the Hall of Fame. I So maybe I have like recency bias here. I actually felt like it was more the it was one of the more consequential family nights I've covered. It felt like stuff happened uh, when I was in the locker room afterwards. I felt like not only was it the 70,000 people or 65,000 people, not only was it just the event. But I actually felt like it was a really productive practice. I thought, and I wrote about it in the the follow or whatever you want to call it, the locker room report version of what we did with the practice in Tariq Carpenter. Because to me, although he's no longer a defensive back technically in Green Bay, he's an inside linebacker now. I thought that was a, a performance that reminded me of the the Brandon, you know, uh, Ross, the, um, uh, what's the kid's name that was the... Uh, was it Brandon Smith? I'm trying to remember. They've had these guys that have been either like undrafted free agents or late round picks that have really stood out during the family night. And I yeah. felt like that was Tariq Carpenter. What I love about this guy is six foot three, 230 pounds, runs a five, excuse me, four, five, two, 40, and is so athletically gifted. But I think the Packers and a lot of teams around the National Football League were trying to figure out how's it going to play in the NFL what what is his position going to be now as he said afterwards to us I mean a lot of days this still feels like an extended rookie season to him because he is learning a new position but for a guy that I think probably was sort of looking for that confidence boost he found it in that performance I mean the interception he had off Sean Clifford in the live tackling period was just a heads-up play it's one of those as I said when we did our three things afterwards with Larry it's a bang, bang play. You got to get it. You have to make it. You're not going to get a second chance at it. And he made it. And then obviously later on was in the right place at the right time on the Benny Sapp hit of Dontavian Wicks that led to a second pick. Some people say, well, that one was kind of in his lap, but those are the plays you have to make and you have to be in the right position to make the play when it's there. So I was really impressed with him. And then Anders Carlson, I just, it was exactly what that young guy needed. I don't think he lacks for confidence at all. He seems like a guy that is pretty, pretty confident in his abilities and what he can do on a football field. But I think it was a reminder to all of us of, okay, this is what the Packers really liked about him. He had some struggles in practices. He's been missing his first kick on some of these, these rotations he's gone through, but when the lights were brightest and he needed to make a statement, as you said, he definitely did that. Yeah. Carlson uh, was eight for nine, I believe were the final numbers on his field goals during family. And the one miss was really not on him. It was a bad snap. The operation was, uh, was kind of all messed up there and he missed the one. Um, But then he also followed it up with a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid effort in practice on Monday, back on Nitschke field, dealing with uh, some significant wind, probably the most significant wind that he's dealt with in practice so far and, uh, and had another solid showing there. So you have to like, uh, 
the way uh, the way Carlson has uh, had has you know continued i guess to to ascend um you know after a little bit of a rough start some ups and downs maybe things are starting to smooth out a little bit for him go yeah. ahead yeah something I, i'm i'm very proud of myself i'm very proud of myself it for, was brandon for. it was it was brandon smith the converted brandon receiver. smith nice job yep. i i yep. would not i remember brandon ross and obviously it's easier to remember him he works in the he scouting works here. department here now <laughs> yeah he's been he's been back uh since his playing days he's been back for quite a while but, but um but, but yeah, the brandon that, that, smith that's a, one it's a good recall the reason i wanted to bring that one up so badly was the fact that he was a receiver at asu that converted to cornerback he made a big play during family night in 2013 i believe it was and again it's those little moments that these guys you're not going to get a live tackling period with Jordan Love and Christian Watson and Jair Alexander, but right. you get the live tackling period with some of those young guys now that 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 live action. And I feel like that's where you see the hunger and the desire in these lot of guys. Give credit to Benny Sapp. I don't know anybody talked to him after the practice, but that guy went out there and put it on the line to create that play for Carpenter. So yeah, it's going to happen, Mike. We're we're days away now at the time we're taping this away from this these joint practices and the, this preseason game against the Bengals. You got three weeks to make a statement, make the fifty three man roster, and I felt like Carpenter did that. Yeah, and I have to admit, Wes, and I think I told you this back when we first heard about Carpenter being shifted from safety to inside linebacker. I am like the ultimate skeptic when it comes to these position changes. Like I've seen this happen with young players. Usually, as you mentioned, it can be an undrafted guy or a late round draft pick. In Carpenter's case, he's a seventh round pick last year. And it just, it very rarely do these things work out. Every once in a while, you know, a Spencer Havener comes along who converts from linebacker to tight end and ends up making the roster and making an impact on the team. But that is definitely the exception and not the rule. This one with Carpenter just might stick. It just might work out because he'd already established himself on special teams. So yes. that's, we have to get that out of the way first. Um so my skepticism was not so much in terms of what he could uh, still contribute to this football team. But uh, but these position switches, it, it's it's tough. It's a tough deal. They don't work out very often. But he looks like he's really settling in to to inside linebacker. He he doesn't have the prototypical body for it, but he also doesn't have the prototypical body for safety, which is why they've been trying to figure out. You know, he's he's got he's got size. He's got decent speed. There's a lot to work with there physically. But where does he best fit if you're going to put him into eleven on eleven? on defense. And I, I, I thought he had, uh, I thought he had a really, really solid practice. He was obviously very excited about it as well as you talked to him afterwards. He felt like it was his best practice at inside linebacker since he had made the switch. And when you can do that on a night, like family night under the lights, 65,000, it sets up well for him to now move into the joint practice with the Bengals, the first preseason game in Cincinnati. So um, so Carpenter, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. A couple other things to watch for here. And as you said, Wes, not long after we turn off the cameras here, we're going to be headed to the airport to go to Cincinnati. The Packers have a joint practice with the Bengals on Wednesday. The preseason opener is on Friday. But a few other things that stood out to me. Um, I'm really curious to see if what appears to be developing some some decent depth on the defensive line with these young players i'm curious to see if this can now carry over into these preseason games as camp moves along because we've seen colby wooden and carl brooks the two draft picks um the two day three draft picks from this uh this last draft class and then a seventh round pick from last year jonathan ford these guys are starting to flash now they're not going up against the ones you know they're they're playing on on the reserve units and whatnot 
but they're doing some things to get noticed. And I, I think as, uh, as training camp goes along, these guys are really starting to get their legs under them. And I kind of like what I'm starting to see from these young defensive linemen uh, that the, the Packers are to some extent, certainly are, are going to be counting on in 2023. They're all going to be such huge pairs, you know, pieces of this whole puzzle, Mike. I mean, I think you've even seen with Kenny Clark. I think Kenny had one of his best practices back to back from family night and then going into Monday. Uh, these young guys in the rotation the Packers can get going is going to be so critical to the success of this unit moving forward. Devontae Wyatt flashed early on. That was great to see as a former first-round pick. I think TJ Slayton could potentially fill a huge, huge need in this defense as a run-stuffing nose tackle. But then it's the Carl Brookses just randomly showing up in the backfield so many times now for Green Bay. Colby Wooden has really struck me as a very consistent, disruptive player here early on. That's how you get in the rotation, right, Mike? When you yeah. go back to Kenny Clark's rookie year, when you go back to Mike Daniels' rookie year, shoot, even look at the way a guy like B.J. Raji broke in the door in 2009. You have to find ways to contribute to the group. And I feel like you're seeing that with these young guys. The Packers took a risk. I've talked about this in inbox. You and I have talked about it on the show. They could have easily looked to find a, a $3 million, $4 million a year veteran defensive lineman to bring into that rotation. But kind of like what they did at tight end, kind of like they've done at some of these other positions, they opted to go young, take those lumps together, but hope that over the long run, you're going to find some real answers. But I'll say this, Mike, with Devontae Wyatt specifically, if this kid can continue to stack these days the way he has for the first two weeks of camp, maybe show some of that in the preseason. We'll see. But if he gets off to this, you know, kind of torrid start that he's been off to in training camp, this is probably the, the most excited I've been about a Packers defensive lineman from the jump in a, in a very long time in terms of what his long-term potential could be. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to like there from what we've seen. It's still early, long way to go. And the preseason games are certainly going to show us a lot in terms of how far, uh, these young defensive linemen can develop a couple other things on family night. I want to touch on, I thought coming off of what was a pretty good practice for the Packers tight ends on Thursday. And I had mentioned on our three things video after that practice, I thought, you know, Tyler Davis was laying some blocks in the running yeah. game and Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft were making some, some nice catches downfield. I thought they followed it up with a pretty solid um, family night practice as well in, in a lot of those same respects. And then connected to Luke Musgrave, he was a big part of the uh, lightning fast two minute drill that Jordan Love ran getting uh, going 75 yards, I believe in four plays, maybe it was five um, down the field. Musgrave had a big catch there. And uh, um, after the two minute drill had to be re-racked because there was a bad snap, or I should say a mistimed shotgun snap on the first one. So rather than just end the drill right there, they, uh, they re-racked it. And, uh, um, and Jordan Love took the offense right down the field, lickety split. And, Another thing, I guess, to to make note of, we hadn't really heard or seen a whole lot of Christian Watson on family night, but then, boy, during that two-minute drill, it was it was bang, two catches. I think he covered, you know, roughly 40 of the 75 yards, including the the last 20 uh, with a touchdown on a on a back shoulder throw and a, and a great catch against some pretty good coverage. So um, that two-minute drill was a uh, was a pretty good way to uh, end that night for the number one offense. It really was. I mean, I. <laughs> They always have to throw in the caveat that you can't have the miscommunication or whatever that issue was that right. led to the fumbled snap at the beginning because 
as I was sort of talking about and writing about, that's the difference between them either getting the ball in the red zone, the opposition, or getting a touchdown, or Jordan Love bringing this team down the field and looking like a million bucks while doing it. Yeah. It's that narrow, right? But here's what I like the most about it. Talking to Sean Clifford, uh, it wasn't about this play specifically, but it was Bill Huber um, asked this question to Sean Clifford. I thought it was an excellent question and an even better answer. The 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 rhythm of a two-minute drill and what it represents. And Clifford said, in a lot of ways, it's like art. It, it is it is a feel. It is, um, you know, there, there's decisions that you have to make within it, you know, whether or not to check down and do you have a timeout? And if you don't have the timeout, you're in the middle of the field, is it worth the five yards? Do you just throw it away? Do you dirt it? And I just thought that that series in particular showed the mastery of, of Jordan love. And it, it kind of gave me some callbacks to that game in Philadelphia a little bit. He starts off with a very, I, I, as good as the, the Watson plays were, and we'll talk about those in a second, hitting Luke Musgrave down in the seam on whatever that kind of like a skinny post sort of route he was running. That's something green Bay has been searching years for. Um, Robert Tunyon did it at times, but it's been difficult to find that, that seam threat. They've been kind of searching for it for 10 years, to be honest with you, since Jermichael Finley retired. So being able to get a big chunk play like that, that's what the big offenses in this league do. That's why the Travis Kelsey's are making the money that they're making right now. Flip it forward. Then the two Watson plays, he showed his speed and explosiveness on the first one. And then just the Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, whatever kind of you know, relationship you want to call it on the back throw, uh, back shoulder throw and love put it on the money with the catch radius of Christian Watson. He caught it, kept it away from the defender, scored the touchdown. I think that was one of the bigger moments for the Packers number one offense in this training camp, because those are the competition periods nobody's doing push-ups or sit-ups or, you know, up downs or whatever, but Let's be honest, Mike, you and I have watched enough of these things. That's when the rubber hits the road in these practices is when you get to the two minute situation. I felt like the offense after a little bit of a stumble early on really rallied. And and I, and I love what I've seen from Jordan love in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a rough start to the night for the number one offense. There were lots of, of bumps in the road in the first, you know, one to two team periods, the 11 on 11, but then you saw them, you know, kind of start to find, find a little something, find a little bit of rhythm. And then uh, with the two minute drill, they, uh, they got things figured out and, and lickety split went right down the field. So some other news actually post family night that I want to get to, but we'll take care of some sponsor business here first. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, some news. First, on Sunday, the day after family night, the Packers made the decision to release backup quarterback Danny Etling, which has now reduced the quarterback room heading into these preseason games and the joint practices from four down to three. So you have Jordan Love, you have rookie fifth-round pick Sean Clifford, and you have the reigning USFL MVP in Alex Magoo. And then on Monday, Rashawn Gary and... Rookie seventh round pick at wide receiver Grant DuBose. They both 
were activated and practiced for the first time. For Gary, it's his first practice since the ACL injury in Detroit last November. And for DuBose, it's his first practice as a Green Bay Packer because since the Packers had drafted him, he'd been dealing with a back injury. He missed OTAs and minicamp and everything in training camp up to this point. Now, both of those guys, as of Monday, just doing individual drills, not cleared for 11 on 11, you know, the full contact stuff just yet, but a good sign that uh, that those guys are activated and certainly a, a potentially really good sign that maybe the Packers will have Rashawn Gary on the field for week one in Chicago. Nobody's making any promises, but that game is still a month away and uh, and Rashawn Gary is cleared to be uh, to be doing some drills on the practice field. That's a great sign. Mike, looking at my phone here, the time in which again, we're taping this August 8th, the Green Bay Packers at the beginning of the training camp said, hey, we're going to take these two weeks. We're going to see where things are at with Rashawn Gary and then move from there. I think that is a huge positive sign that everything in his rehab and that final sort of stretch in terms of the, the return to play uh, was, was sort of uh green light to get to this point. You're not going to put Rashawn Gary out there. If you don't feel confident in the ligament confident in his recovery, nine months and one day after tearing his ACL, he was back out there. Now, again, as you said, you don't want to overemphasize things. You don't want to talk about, Hey, what is this going to mean? When's he going to play? Is he going to be in team on team periods? What have you? But, there was a lot of people, including myself, that when those injuries happen in November, you immediately start thinking, what does that mean for their next season? Right. Last year, Elton Jenkins ends up making it back after suffering a, a November ACL tear. He, he misses the beginning of the season, but then is available. To be able to get Rashawn Gary back in the flow of things, I think was huge. And as Larry pointed out in three things, I mean, the fact that this young man stood right up and took the first reps of the individuals, I think that sets the tone for the entire group. And Mike, I just salivate at the thought of the ways in which Green Bay can use all of these pass rushers when they can get Rashawn Gary back on the field. Lucas Van Ness is not going to be an MVP overnight. I'm not, not going to try to illustrate it as such, but you know, I actually think that was one of the things they've kind of missed here since the end of the Zadarius Smith era was having the three sort of outside backers in the dime package that you can really rely on for pressure. Gary can play inside. Van S could potentially play inside. You have Preston available. Kingsley and Igbari, I thought, really passed a lot of tests last year. And then obviously Kenny Clark being utilized in that capacity. That's the money down. And I would I would say the Packers, with the way they're set up right now with those cornerbacks and, and those inside backers, they, they have a lot of bases covered. But it was trying to make sure that you can pressure the quarterback in those instances and Rashawn Gary being back and having Lucas Van S in the fold now goes a long way in helping accomplish that. Yeah, and the way I look at it, I mean, hopefully Gary is on track to be available for week one. I don't necessarily see Rashawn Gary playing 60 snaps at Soldier Field in week one, considering the the length of the recovery. But the way this timeline has gone, if you get Rashawn Gary for 10 snaps at Soldier Field in week one, that's a huge victory for the Packers and for this defense, because then he can only uh, uh, take off and and go from there. So uh, um, that, that was, uh, that was really, really positive news to see him back on the practice field. Obviously he's very excited about it as well. Although trying to temper his own excitement, knowing that it's uh, it's not as though he gets completely cut loose to do everything he wants to, you know, the medical staff has, they have a plan for him. They're going to, uh, they're going to bring him along and see where things go with regard to the backup quarterback situation. Um, we're certainly going to see, I think, a, a fair amount of uh, rookie fifth-round pick out of Penn State, Sean Clifford, in these preseason games. Um, 
Matt LaFleur had suggested that, uh, that, you know, Jordan Love may, may be playing some uh, in these three preseason games as well. But, uh, but I think, uh, I think the coaching staff is going to, is going to put Clifford in there and it, for a good chunk of time. And these, uh, these three preseason games are going to be, uh, you know, trial by fire for him in terms of how quickly, how quickly can we get a rookie quarterback to a level that, uh, that if he's needed, he could step in and no offense to, to Alex Magoo, but he like just got here right before training camp. I mean, there, there's still a lot with the playbook that he needs to learn and everything like that. And he's certainly coming along and he's made his share of plays, but the Packers invested a fifth round pick in Sean Clifford. And now Danny Etling is gone. Clifford is the guy who, uh, who's going to have a big spotlight on him. I think in this preseason. Yeah. Credit to Etling. I mean, he did pretty much everything this team could have asked him to do, but, but at the end of the day, Sean was the fifth round pick. And this is kind of the way I sort of saw this thing playing out as soon as they signed Magoo, because it's like, all right, Danny's 28. Do do you really want to have him on the practice squad again this year? If that goes, do you want to take a look at somebody else? I I really thought it was going to take a Herculean effort for him to really usurp Clifford as a rookie fifth round pick for that number two job. But it also says that the Packers do have confidence in Clifford to, to handle this because if he did, if they didn't, you could have waited another week with Danny. You could have gotten through this, this Bengals game. I think they made the ultimately the decision that Clifford is going to be, you know, a guy that we're dedicated to, we're dedicated to seeing his development. And we've seen enough from Alex Magoo to, to validate no longer having Danny here. Cause it is tough, man. It's, it, it's tough being able to work in four quarterbacks especially when everybody's healthy and especially when Jordan love is going to, you know, require the amount of reps that he does need during a training camp. I'm personally very excited for these preseason games. I I think it's going to be very exciting to see what, what Clifford can do. It's actually interesting. He gets to play his first preseason game in his hometown of Cincinnati. He said, he'll have about 20 to 30 people there. I'm guessing he'll have some people cheering for him. He mentioned having some, uh, you know, Clifford number eight jerseys walking around there at the, at the joint practices as well. So uh, a neat, a neat experience for a guy that used to be able to go to Paul Brown stadium, had season tickets. I think he said his senior year of high school. So him and his baby brother, who's now at Penn state, when he was in eighth grade, they went to quite a few games together, really grew their relationship and love for football that way. So for him to be able to start that chapter of his career is very interesting and very cool. But Alex Magoo is an amazing story too, Mike. And a guy that was actually drafted back-to-back picks with Etling in 2018 has sort of risen from the ashes to, to put together two impressive seasons in the USFL to re-earn another opportunity in the NFL at 27 years old. And if you talk about a guy that's going to be hungry and motivated to show that he belongs, um, th- those two quarterbacks together I think are going to make for a really good competition the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, very shortly here, Wes, as a famous head coach once said, we are on to Cincinnati. And uh, that famous uh, head coach is going to be here next week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, one last thought for me though. What do you, what are you looking for? Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about the game uh, hopefully on our next show. Technically, if everything goes okay, our next show will actually be from Cincinnati. You'll be hearing uh, from us near. It will Ohio be next to each there, other, but yeah, yeah, perhaps, perhaps we can get that worked out <laughs> as well. But with regard to the joint practice on Wednesday, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you going to have your eye on for me? It's seeing Jair Alexander against Jamar Chase, hopefully. And then I think on the other side, it's seeing Awuzie, the number one cornerback for the Bengals up against uh, Christian Watson. These uh, these will make for some interesting matchups because we don't really know if we're going to see those matchups on yeah. Friday night, but we very well could see them on Wednesday afternoon on the practice field. Yeah. And, and you know, guys like T Higgins too, right? Rasul Douglas. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of opportunities and matchups are going to be fun to watch. 
Me personally, I can't wait to watch the O-line D-line work. Um, we talked about how good the Packers young defensive line has looked. Uh, Cincinnati historically has not had one of the strongest lines in the football in terms of their O-line. So seeing if maybe some of those successes that, that Slayton has had, you know, you talked about Wyatt, seeing if those translate. Does a guy like, you know, uh, you know, these offensive linemen that I think have really stood out. I thought Sean Ryan has put together a good camp so far. Caleb Jones has looked great at tackle. They'll get some reps there as well. Very interested to see how that plays out for them. And honestly, kind of seeing how the offensive line rotation is going to look. I, yeah, maybe Dave practices in these things. I don't know if him and, you know, if he's going to go or not. Um, if he does great, you know, Trey Hendrickson, you know, Sam Hubbard, they got some really good edge rushers down in Cincinnati as well. But also, you know, where's Yash Nyman? Where's Zach Tom? Uh, how are they looking at that competition? Because that's ultimately the thing, man, is that when you get some of these position battles and you talked about it, you know, with the with the John Owens story and everything that's going on with him at safety right now, it, 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 there's a trickle down here where you want to give everybody an opportunity to win the job. But at some point, you do need to start turning the clock towards the season. And yeah. where do you feel most comfortable? Where is Jordan Love most comfortable? Where is Darnell Savage in the back end most comfortable? Seeing when the rotations stop, regardless of whether or not we're in Cincinnati practicing against the Patriots or the following week back, getting ready for that finale against the Seahawks, when the rotation, when the musical chair starts to end and they start to settle in, that's what I'm always interested to watch. And for the guys who don't play in this preseason game against the Bengals, these that practice is going to be really essential to understanding not only where they're at, but where the direction of this team is at now two weeks into this program. And, and realistically, you know, four months now into the Jordan Love era here in Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my friend, we have a flight to catch. So with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our continuing coverage of training camp. We'll be in Cincinnati for the joint practice, the preseason game on Friday night. Be back here in Green Bay next week, continuing with everything with the Patriots coming to town. So we've got it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you.